Welcome to another episode of Live from the Blue Seats. I'm your host, Rob, joined this week by Dave and, of course, our producer, John Luke Shaparo, on the other side of the virtual glass. And yes, it is official, although she's not here right now. She will be joining us a little bit later on this week's show. Becky makes her triumphant return to Live from the Blue Seats. We are very much looking forward to her joining us for the question segment at the end of the show. Uh, but for now, you got me and Dave. Uh, you'll we'll hear from John Luke as well a little bit later. But uh Dave, how you doing, especially as we record on Tuesday night, uh, just about 24 hours removed from what a lot of people are calling the game of the season in the National Hockey League, where the Rangers beat the Calgary Flames 5-4 in OT. Uh, and even though p- folks won't hear this until Thursday, it's it's a game that we want to talk about, even though it will be outdated by the time you listen to this, because it was such a, a remarkable game. That game had a little bit of everything, and it was just... Uh, It was a joy to watch, and thankfully, Laugh gave everybody a reason to leave the game happy, but that was just fun. Uh, There's no other word to describe it other than fun. Yeah, I mean, and I think most of the takes I saw on Twitter, uh, and I mean that in a positive way, the rare calling something a take and meaning it positively, um, everybody was kind of saying like it was a playoff type game. Uh, It was kind of, you know, a modern NHL game and it's hockey the way it's meant to be played. Right. It had physicality. It had a ton of speed. It had a ton, ton of scoring chances both ways. Although uh, as we, you know, try to be objective in our evaluation and analysis of the team, the Rangers did not allow a ton of chances, really great a chances. I think uh, when I looked at the the stats after the game, I think they only allowed six high danger chances uh, t- total in the game at five on five, at least. And that's on natural set- stat trick. Uh, I think the other models kind of were, were similar. I know Valaket tweeted out his uh, clear sight stuff and it showed the Rangers had a pretty decided edge and expected goal. So they were the better team on the night, but they did cough up that lead in the third period and had to had to fight to get it back. Um Dave, there were so many storylines and so many things that stood out, but what was kind of the main headline for you if you had to choose one thing? If I had to choose one thing? Oh, see, I'm trying to... So whatever I pick, I know you're going to go with the other main headline because there was really two that dominated it. I'm going to start with Jacob Truba. Mm-hmm. And to a lesser extent, Sammy Blay, because you have to hand... Everyone talks about Truba but it was Blaze hit that sparked that whole line brawl. I love watching a clean shoulder-to-shoulder hit that just takes somebody off their, like, just puts them on their ass. I love it. And Truba flirts with the line of clean and borderline dirty a lot. His hits on Dylan Dubé and Nazem Kadri were as clean as they come, as textbook as they come. And the fact that he had to fight aside, because that's a whole separate rant, it was just amazing to watch. I love that aspect of the game when it's not just hitting somebody to hit somebody. They had a purpose it cha- it gave the team momentum. It got the crowd into it. All of it, just perfection for me. 
I think what about those hits, Dave, and I agree with you have to include Blay because he timed his perfectly. And that one was actually the one that looked the worst uh, at full speed before seeing a replay and before the referees rightly reviewed it because they were going to call a major penalty for an illegal check to the head. But but by doing so, they opened up the possibility of a review. That's one of the very narrow instances where the referees will actually go to the video to review a penalty call. And they, they reversed it correctly, given that the hit was clean by Blay on Lucic. But yeah, I, I mean, I don't think people understand that at the speed at which the game moves, especially now, because people always talk about, well, you know, you saw a hit like this all the time in the 80s and 90s. And like, well, yeah, that's an exaggeration. But also the players were slower to a degree. They weren't as shifty. There wasn't as much skill and speed in the game. I think that that's a, you know, kind of an agreed upon uh, fact with the way the NHL game is played now, but especially the way that Truba totally timed up Kadri. I mean, he was coming in with the puck and trying to make a kind of, you know, shoulder fake shoulder dip move to the middle and Truba just read it like a book. And, you know, I also think that, you know, look, Truba has had his ups and downs as a Ranger throughout his first three years here. I thought last year was his strongest full season as a Ranger, but he struggled in the playoffs. We know he's struggled this season, you know, more downs than ups. But he is one of the best at the game in that uh, in that in that aspect. And it shows you how good a hockey player he is, because that's good defense. You're keeping your body in front of the opponent's body between that opponent and the net. You know, you're doing all the things that you hear youth hockey coaches talk about. Right. Uh, When a guy's stick handling towards you, you know, he's not trying to just pass a guy off or push for the side or push them the outside. He is playing the body, trying to remove the guy from the puck and get his team going the other way. As it relates to the fights, and I, I think it's important to just touch on that for a second. The only thing I think what the NHL, first of all, I think what the NHL should just do is make the instigator a five-minute major penalty, where the you know your opponent goes on the power play and they basically don't come off it for five minutes. I think you still keep the five for fighting and the ten-minute misconduct, so it becomes twenty minutes of penalties instead of seventeen. Maybe that's a deterrent. The other thing that's annoying is that it re- removes Truba from the game for ten minutes in a very intense game where the Rangers needed him out there frankly you know i know that a lot yeah, of no they did they did that. but but he removes one of your you know Truba's not some goon who's trying to line people up he's also like a, an actual nhl defenseman who contributes every night <laughs> an and he, actual he, nhl defenseman I yeah love i that. mean he had it was removed to, from the game so i think that's the worst part of that whole you know song and dance now with the nhl is that you know it i'm not saying he doesn't deserve the penalty for fighting that's the rule he dropped the gloves and fought he gets five minutes but Man, he missed ten minutes of that game last night, and that that could have that could have hurt them. Well, the fact is, they sh- he shouldn't have to uh, drop the. That was terrible English. He shouldn't have needed to drop the gloves. Period. This whole stand up for your teammate after a clean hit. Fine, I get it. Yeah, but it was a clean hit. It, this has to stop. And yeah, it looked it looked bad. You see the way Kadri's head hit the ice. It couldn't have been good. But like you said, these guys are going 20, 30 miles. Well, not 30, 20 miles an hour on skates. Think of how much it hurts when you're running full steam and you hit somebody else's running full steam. We've Mm -hmm. seen baseball players shatter like jawbones, basically. And they're not moving nearly as fast as hockey players, nor are they wearing, you know, shoulder pads or anything like that. It's a violent part of the game that troopers should not have to drop the gloves 
just because he laid a textbook clean hit. And you touched on something with the officials reviewing the Blay hit and overturning that. I have to give it to the officials last night and let well Monday night when you're listening to this on Thursday. They did a fantastic job of being clear and concise with the broadcast and with the fans about why the Blay penalty was being overturned, what had happened, and what the penalties were going to be because of it. Granted, they went and shit the bed with the whole kicking the puck thing later. <laughs> of course. But at, uh, we're not going to expect perfection, but you got to give them credit for being very clear and open about what had happened and why Blay wasn't getting a penalty and why the Flames wound up on the penalty kill after that. You have to give credit where credit's due. I thought the refs had a great game other than the kicked puck, which uh, I believe will come up in the uh, fan questions later. So we'll save it for that. Just to quickly touch on the other headline from Monday night's game over Calgary. I shouldn't say clearly because there were a lot of things. I mean, Philip Heedle, two more goals, 18 on the season. Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin showing maybe a little bit of chemistry. I think they'll get a few more games to see, you know, if that's going to stick. Uh, I don't mind that line. Jimmy Vesey, I thought, had a strong game. But Alexi Lafreniere uh, capping off what I think was his best game as a Ranger or one of his best. That was kind of a very uh, common question. It was asked of Alexi himself. It was asked of Gerard Gallant. It was asked all over Twitter and wherever else folks were talking about the Rangers. You know, was that Alexi Lafreniere's best game as a Ranger? Um, I think maybe he had some playoffs in the, uh, excuse me, performances in the playoffs last season that were similar. But I haven't seen him with that type of jump and that type of confidence really ever. Uh, maybe again in flashes that goal he scored against Detroit towards the end of the regular season last year comes to mind, but he did some things last night where first of all, away from the puck, he was much more engaged and, and in the right spot. You know, even on Heedle's first goal, you notice him, he's busting his ass to get to the, to the far post and be a, a passing option, even though Heedle took the shot and scored the goal. He was right there for a tap in if, if Heedle goes that route because he just skated hard to the net. Right in maybe the shift or two after the first goal, he also made two or three high skill plays. At one point, he intercepted a pass and kind of in one motion did like a spinorama and almost set up Keandre Miller for a chance in front. He was truly all over the ice last night in a good way. And yep. it, it was great to see. I, I mean, if the Rangers get that version of that player, not even every night, because look, most guys can't do that every single night. But if he and, does that, and almost all NHLers know how to pace themselves, so they're not going to give you 100% every night. So. Right. No, and look, he was shot out of a cannon, very clearly uh, rejuvenated after the, the nine-day break. But I think if they can get that player 65%, you know, two out of every three games, 60, 65, 70% of the time, that changes everything for this team. They, they have always felt, even going back to last year, when they, even after the trade deadline at times, They've always felt kind of like one forward short. And and I think that solution was always going to be one of Lafreniere or Kako or both fulfilling their potential, right? Becoming a true star in the NHL. And what you saw last night was star level play from Alexi Lafreniere. And he gets the game winner. You know, I, I love Gerard Glant's decisions in overtime. He started with Heedle and Panarin. Uh, then he went to... Um, he went to Zabanajad and Kako, but then Panarin jumped on. All three of the kids played in overtime, I believe. 
Um, I'd have to go back and look at that. You know, he I'm didn't actually going to look at the shift chart. Real yeah, he didn't go quick. to Trocheck. He didn't go to Gaudreau. He didn't go to Kreider. I don't think. Um, so that showed great faith uh, in in the kids. And I think you know, look, we will continue to criticize Gerard Gallant. We have had plenty of negative things to say about him uh, over the course of this season, but. I think he's gotten it right a little bit with Lafreniere mm-hmm. in the sense that the kid line gives them confidence. It gives it gives all yep. three of those guys confidence. Now, look, whether or not it hurts the depth of the rest of the team, I think that's the wider discussion. That's probably why Gallant doesn't want to stick with it long term. But it certainly has paid dividends for uh, Heedle for sure, because he's on an absolutely torrid run right now, mostly playing with Kako and Laugh, but especially for Lafreniere just to get his confidence back. You got to give a little bit of credit to Gallant here because I don't necessarily agree with how he's approached a lot of the kids. And Vitaly Krausov is the guy that I'm this coming to the forefront of my mind here. But Lafreniere has had legitimate issues away from the puck. And there was like the confidence thing. And I truly believe Gallant pushed the right buttons here by reuniting the kid line. Yes, it leaves holes elsewhere, and we'll get to that. But I think he knows that he has to get those three going for a successful playoff run. And sometimes all you need, it's the human element. You need the confidence boost to know, hey, I can do this, and then get placed on a line. Let's say Lafreniere winds up with... I don't know, Panarin and Heedle as mm-hmm. a second line. Now he's getting tougher competition because he's with Panarin. And it helps the Rangers split up the kids, but Lafreniere now with the confidence can handle it and it gives the Rangers a more balanced lineup. So, you know, I I have not been a big fan of the way Gallant handles his in-game decision-making. This is one that he deserves credit for. Yeah, and I don't know if you had a chance to pull up the shift chart, but but even still, I mean, you know, look, I, I looked at the ice time after the game, and the kids had plenty. I, you know, they were kind of right up there, second or third and fourth in the team, whatever it was in terms of ice time. So they they played well. They they were used throughout the game by Gallant, and the result was the Rangers' number one overall pick from a couple of seasons ago, from a couple of drafts ago. Alexi Lafreniere gets his second career OT winner. Remember, he did get one, I think, during the. Uh, pandemic season his rookie year uh in buffalo i believe i think that's right i might be wrong about that yeah i don't know uh we'll have to check my uh we'll have to do some uh some fact checking on that but it was his second career overtime winner i know that and we'll see if he carries it forward look again you'll be listening to this on a on a thursday the rangers will have played against the vancouver canucks who gave the Devils some fits on monday night as both teams returned from their all-star break and Vancouver came back from 4-1 down and tied the Devils, and it took it a power play a goal in overtime for the Devils to beat them. So it's not um, it's not uh, going to be an easy game on Wednesday, I don't think, for the Rangers. Uh, but you know, we'll see how uh, how things shake out, and and you know, this is a is a developing situation. By the way, John well, Luke doing producers' work here, confirming that his first OT goal was indeed his first NHL goal against Buffalo in 2021. So thank you, John Luke. Where did you see that? You got a little chat up in this. <laughs> oh, we have a private thing. chat. Look at that. Yeah. That's cool. So yeah, we're using a new platform and clearly I 
have no idea that we had a private chat. A little behind the scenes look here. But I do have the shift chart up. And it's tough to decipher because there is a Flames power play, I believe, towards the end. And I'm going to assume the little white space out there. It's small, but getting shifts in OT in no particular order. Uh, Panarin, Heedle, Kreider, Kako, Zabanajad. Fox, and Miller. And Lafreniere, obviously. And Lafreniere, yes. I skipped him. Oh, uh, where is Laf on this thing? Yeah, I am too old. Yeah, there's Laf. He got one shift Laf did, and he scored on it. Right. Well, it was only one. Yeah, he was at the top. So, yeah, that's why I missed that. Yeah, he had just jumped on the ice, I think. Um, So, no, look, no no real qualms. And even, you know, a lot of people I saw, some of the beat writers actually were oddly... Negative, you know, they, they sometimes, you know, they're, they're kind of like lamenting the lack of entertainment value. That game had a ton of entertainment value and they were, you know, they were talking about how sloppy it was and how the Rangers blew a lead. And I'm like, well, I mean, Christ, you know, the kicked in goal, uh, a review that I think they felt should have gone their way. And then, you know, the one soft goal that Halak allowed in the game was the, uh, the fourth goal by Calgary. You know, uh, we originally thought it might've been tipped by Manjapani, but it was, a, uh, I think it was Michael Stone scored it clean slap shot from the blue line. Yeah, probably a partial screen, but probably one you want Halak to, to stop. In any event, don't want to focus on the negative here as, as the Rangers get an awesome win to start the uh, the now 32-game or 33-game sprint to the finish line here uh, as we we wind down the, uh, the, the, the stretch run here for the uh, 22-23 season. So um, we are going to talk in more detail about any, first of all, before we move on, any final thoughts there, Dave? If that's the Ranger team that we get going forward, they're going to be a very difficult team to play against. It was, as Luker put it in the chat, the reverse Rangers that we've seen where they absolutely owned quality for and against, but they did not win the shot share, which is fine because their their struggle had been giving up quality and getting quality. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather have quality where they're still within a 47, 48% shot share in a game. And that's a game that game was almost perfection for the Rangers. Yeah. You know, if you put Igor and net in that game in the playoffs, that's not a five, four OT win. That's a four, one Rangers win. Yeah. I was going to say four, one, maybe four, two. I, I totally agree. That's kind of the blueprint going forward. And they have had a few of those now since they've turned things around in December. And really look, it's, it's energy. It's some physical engagement, and you know you need you need offense, right? You need more than uh, one line to be creating offense. That's that's one thing that we always talk about as well. And the Rangers did get tr- contributions from up and down the lineup last night, so or I should say Monday. Um, all right, want to move on? So we're going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, we had an interesting conversation uh, on Monday, uh, kind of as a Blue Seat Blogs group chat, just kind of about you know trade clauses and you know kind of how trade protection works in the uh, the NHL, but. Uh, that evolved or morphed, I should say, into, you know, kind of essentially the question of, you know, what goes into the players kind of choosing their no trade lists, right? And, you know, we were kind of joking, well, everybody must have Ottawa on their no trade list and everybody must have Arizona on their no trade list. But that kind of got us thinking and we want to bring John Luke on to the show now to want to get his, uh, his, his thoughts as well. So we all kind of threw at each other, you know, let's all make our own 15 team 
no trade list. So thought it would be fun to discuss that. And, uh, you know, maybe we could uh, have some fun at the expense of, of some other NHL cities because, you know, clearly the Rangers would never, ever be on anybody's no trade list. Um, so, John Luke, welcome back. How are you doing here on week two? Gentlemen, I'm doing simply fantastic. How are you guys? Great. Thank you for. Uh... You're very chipper. I am <laughs> well, impressed. I just, I just, well, I just had a, I just had some orange crush soda and some pizza. And some steak, so I'm feeling it tonight. Oh, hold I'm on, gonna... pizza and steak. Two dinners tonight, John Luke. I didn't eat all day, so the pizza was my lunch. So I just kind of ate. I just kind of ate it together as one. So <laughs> wait, wait, no, 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 no. That's still one meal. You can't pass that off as two meals. You eat them at the same time. That's not how that I... works. Hey, listen, food is food. Clearly. Yes, food is great. Food is amazing, <laughs> but that's still one fucking meal. Okay, that's fine with me. <laughs> That's, That's the life. We'll put it up, we'll put it up to a vote. All right, we'll put it up to a vote when this <laughs> when this pod drops on Thursday. We'll put it up to a vote. Is is pizza and steak eaten at the same time? One meal or two? I think we'll have some interesting results. <laughs> Jeez, I didn't Especially think we get blasted like that right off the bat. We but know. Okay. We also know food food <laughs> discussions and uh, food discussions and hockey Twitter are a bad mix, as we know. Yeah, you're telling me, but but I'm good, guys. Thank you for having me back on. My my yeah. voice is a little off because I was at the game on Monday night. So uh, I, I ask that anyone please give me some grace. I'm recovering from yelling my brains out. If anyone has seen my video on Twitter, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about. So apologies ahead of time. Yeah, seemed like a great vibe at uh, MSG on Monday night, John Luke. Oh, <laughs> like well, best crowd t- of the year, was it? Uh, that crowd and the crowd again, well, it, I'll say three games and they all happened within a month of each other. The Minnesota game where they won in the shootout, the game against Dallas where they came back and tied it late. And then this one, mm-hmm. I think kind of have, it, it, it's sort of, I'm getting a very good vibe from the, 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 the fans this year at the garden. And, um, Right off the bat, once you saw everything go on, you guys talked about it. I'm not going to go into it, but, you know, just the pace of the game and, you know, the back and forth nature of it. Everyone was eating it up. I mean, speaking of food, but yeah, no, the the the, the, the building was feeling it. I'll tell you, man, I I, I yelled very loud. <clears throat> Excuse me. We can but, tell. Yeah. Madison yeah, Square and it- Garden. And I'll just say this real quick, just real quick before we get into the discussion, because I don't want to hold up anybody any longer. Madison Square Garden has this reputation of, oh, the suits, the suits are taking over. The suits are taking over. <laughs> One, who cares? Two, New York corporate is different than any other corporate. They're just as crazy as any other fan for the most part. You got a bunch mm-hmm. of finance bros who do you know their job all day. They want to let off some steam and go see a Ranger game. It's loud. The place is insane. I've gone to way too many games. The garden is always loud. It's always packed. Ranger fans show up. And yes, am I slightly biased? Yes, but they show up. Yeah, well, and also there's this kind of uh, the, the discussion about ticket prices. And, and yes, certainly they, they can be very expensive, but they were also expensive in like the 1980s and 90s too, comparatively. If you want to factor in inflation and what a Ranger ticket costs versus the rest of the league. So Look, I, not the time or place for this discussion, although it's one that I'm always willing to have. But I'm with you 
John Luke in the sense that the atmosphere in MSG is always, almost always second to none in the league, other than maybe the big Canadian cities, which is actually a great segue into our no trade list. So uh, John Luke, since you are the newest member of the show, I do, I want to start with you. Uh, I know we said 15 teams, maybe let's just, maybe let's narrow it to 10 because I, you know, I do want to keep this somewhat uh, of a wieldy discussion so we can get to the questions, but um, do you guys mind trimming it to 10? I know we talked about 15, but maybe we'll go to 10. Yeah, I can trim it to 10. Yeah, let's trim it to 10. All right. So give me, John Luke, give me 10 cities that you would say to your agent, do not fucking trade me there. Okay. So one, Philadelphia, New York Islanders, the Arizona Coyotes, Columbus Blue Jackets, Edmonton Oilers, Calgary Flames, Ottawa Senators, Florida Panthers, um, the Winnipeg Jets, and the Vancouver Canucks. Wow. Okay, so you you have put Vancouver on there. Yes, Yes, I did. Okay. Interesting. Maybe give me. All right. How about easy one right off the bat? Why Philly? Oh, it's a disgusting city. It's not a good place to go. Um, I always felt the Philadelphia Flyers organization has been very classless over the last 20 something years regarding their player personnel and how they treat players. Uh, case in point, the way that basically Eric Lindros has almost died being a Philadelphia Flyer. Uh, I always feel like a lot of people's careers, for the most part, tend to kind of peter off when they go to Philly if they're not a certain type of player. Um, and just the city itself, it's not a good city. I'm sorry. I know I live in New Jersey, but I mean, Philadelphia is not a good city. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you there. I, agree I don't with know. You I, there. I, I, I like, <laughs> Having I, been to Philly enough time for works, it is, it is just, I'd rather go to Chicago and that says a lot. Right. No, Chicago's great. I think Chicago. No, no, Chicago's really a shithole. No offense, oh, Luther. Sorry. I love Chicago. <laughs> I, I actually think you're both wrong on both of these cities, but Chicago far like out Chicago. Philly. Oh, Chicago's fucking amazing. But Philly is totally fine. Philly's like a really solid city. There's like fun stuff to do. There's tons of history. I, I don't know. You know, yeah. Is it a little, a lot of stuff's broken there, but. <laughs> Uh, a lot of stuff is it is a little bit kind of like minor league feeling, but I like Philadelphia like in general. Um, and certainly it, it would not factor in my decision whether or not to play there. I do th- agree with you, John Luke, that the organization itself does have a negative reputation. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. And then you, you basically threw every Canadian city on your list other than Montreal and Toronto. Why is that? You know, <sighs> I feel like so Winnipeg is primarily because of the weather. Um, it's bad. And even though I am a cold kind of guy, I just I hear a lot. It's not even about the fans itself. It's just more or less like, would you want to be stranded in the middle of Winnipeg? Now, in the middle of the winter, not really. It's not ideal. Um, Vancouver, I picked because, again, I'm sure the city is nice. So this is not a a target against the city, but it's more, again, the organization just not being as good as you'd want a professional organization to be, um, especially with the owner 
whose name I had written down, but I cannot remember it for the life of oh, me right a- now. But Aquilini, Francesco Aquilini, I think. I, I apologize if uh, I don't know. <laughs> I apologize if I butcher it. I'll just call him Aquafina, like you said. No, but <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I don't feel that they're a professionally run organization. So that's why I'd want to steer clear. Maybe if things change over the next couple of years, you know, they're then maybe Ottawa. It's Ottawa. I mean, yeah, I, I, I know a lot of people from Ottawa. It they're base. It's basically similar to living in like the middle of rural Pennsylvania, where there's absolutely nothing to do. And if you know anything about living in a in a, a kind of like a, a not abandoned, but kind of a city that has absolutely nothing, that's not something you really want. I already live in a place that doesn't have anything to do, and Ottawa, <laughs> from what I've heard, it's just yeah, it, it's like similar to D.C. except without the museums. Um, but then again, I'm not Canadian, so I wouldn't be able to tell you. Um, Edmonton and Calgary, uh, that's primarily because, uh, I think they, they have the same media attention to them, but they don't have the luster that the original six teams in Canada have. So you get all the negativity without the charm pretty much. Yep. You know, like you go to, you go to Edmonton and again, the organization, not the best either. You go to Edmonton, and then all of a sudden things start turning sour. People leave Edmonton; they do pretty well. So that's in Calgary. You know they're up in arms. You know they don't even have a functioning arena to play in, and who knows if they'll even be in Calgary within the next ten years. So I, I think, you know, Calgary would be a nice place if the team was a bit more stable organizational wise. But you know, so that's pretty much that. So, all right. How about this before we move on to Dave? One team other than the Rangers that you would love to play for. You can only pick one. One team that I would love to play for. Okay, you guys are going to hate me for this. And maybe this is because I'm biased. If I had to pick a team or a city that I would go to outside of the New York Rangers, and please don't kill me, it would be the city of Pittsburgh and the Penguins. Oh, wow. fuck off. That's fucking awful. <laughs> and here's off, why. Do you know God. that Pittsburgh gets the, the Pittsburgh, the city, gets the least amount of sunlight in the entire country? I am very aware of that. I've been there numerous times over the last uh, couple of months. I can't believe you, you're calling like Chicago and Pittsburgh. Like you, you said DC is not a good city. And you're like, yeah, I'll go live in Pittsburgh. DC is an amazing. Anyway, sorry. I'll let, I'll let you finish. I, keep I, it civil. So I initially, now as a Ranger fan, I do not like the Penguins at all. I don't. And I will stand by that. I am a Ranger fan. I will always be a Ranger fan. I got yelled at because I went to Pittsburgh uh, the week after they beat them in the playoffs. And I was at that game. I wore my Shesterkin jersey coming off the plane. And I got yelled at. The reason why I'm saying Pittsburgh is because I've the city and the people are actually really friendly. It's a very clean city. It's a very technologically advanced city. Everything at least 15 or 20 minutes from the city is easily accessible and it's not dirty. It's not smoggy. And I think as like an alternative to New York, I think Pittsburgh is actually up there and it's actually one of the rising cities in the country. So it's not even about just the team itself. It's more of just the city as a whole. I cannot stand the penguins to save my life. But if someone put a gun to my head and said, you got to play for the penguins, I go, that's fine with me. I like the houses out here. So Chicago would probably come a close second because I've been 
around in the area near Wrigley Field. It's really nice. No, it's um, great. Yeah. I hope to go back there in the summer. Chicago playing for original six teams, Chicago Blackhawks. Everyone's pretty chill out there. So, yeah, the city of Pittsburgh. Please don't kill me. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, you're up. Give us right. 10 team, 10 team, no trade list. So I'm prefacing this with I am turning 39 in a month and a half. I have a family. I have another kid on the way. So my list is based almost entirely off of wanting to stay as local as possible while also thinking about my mental health and not going to cities where there's no sunlight and the temperature doesn't get above single digits. So right Mm -hmm. off the bat, Calgary, Edmonton, and Winnipeg are gone. They're just depressing as fuck. Detroit's up there too. Sorry, Detroit. Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Columbus, they're all in that same Detroit area. All those all those teams, absolutely not. And then it's just teams that aren't really either they're not well run or they are just shit teams with a shit reputation, which is more or less Chicago. Uh, I would not go to Ottawa. I would not go to Arizona. And I would not go to Chicago. So that's my 10, almost entirely based off weather. Okay. Yeah. And I think that weather is a popular choice here. And and I imagine that, you know, it's kind of funny to relate it back to maybe how NHL players go through this. Again, they have to sit down and pick however many they get, 8, 10, 12, 15 teams for a no trade list. You know, I I wonder how much weather factors in. Uh, You know, on one hand, you're like, well, they're hockey players. They're used to cold weather. But I mean, these guys love the sun. How many of them during this bye week were down in wherever, Turks and Caicos or somewhere in Florida or, you know, God, the All-Star game is in Florida and, and everybody's already dreading it coming back to Toronto next year uh, because of, you know, going to Toronto in February doesn't sound great to anybody. So, um, yeah, it's really interesting, Dave. Uh, you do not have any geographic rivals on there. So no, so you would play for Philly, you'd play for the Devils, you'd play for the Islanders. All three. Every, well, yeah, I live in New York. I live in, you know, the lower, well, I live, oh, fuck it, I live on Long Island. Um I was trying to find a way to not broadcast that, but it's fucking Long Island. Um, big island. So, yeah, it's a very big island. So the Islanders, I don't really care. Yeah, for, it would absolutely suck. But there's also a strategy here. I wouldn't mind, you know, not leaving my family more than maybe an hour or two hour train ride away. But if I'm playing for the Rangers and I leave division rivals off my no trade list, they're not going to trade me to those teams either. That's true. So now I'm more or less guaranteed, aside from Carolina, you know, a Tampa, a Florida, a, a, a team in the South. And, you know, I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, I avoid the one shit team in the South, which is Arizona. Yeah, I left Colorado off that, and but... Denver is a beautiful city. I love Denver. I had a bachelor party there. And it was oh, amazing. Denver would be great. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think, and the way the way the team is structured and run now, I don't think anybody's putting Colorado on a no trade list right now. Yeah, exactly. So there's some strategy with family. Yeah, I would have to suck it up and play for a division rival if I got traded there. But what are the odds that I'm getting, tra- if I'm a Ranger, I'm getting traded to the Islanders or the Devils or the Flyers? I mean, come on. The only team that I may get traded to is Boston, which, yeah. oh, darn, they have single-digit losses. I think I'll survive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Cool. Oh, and really quick, do you have a one preferred team? If you could pick one destination, where would you love to go? Not the Rangers. Uh, it's funny because my initial thought was Seattle, but I'm like, wait a second, that goes against everything I just said. Right, as far away <laughs> as possible. From my <laughs> so in the Pacific um, Ocean. Yeah, basically, and that's also it, uh, from what I understand, Seattle, beautiful city, but it rains a lot. You want to um, talk no I sunlight? Would, there you go. Yeah, I would probably say Tampa. I know you can't hate it. Can't yeah, hate it. It, it's beautiful. Uh, I would be another ex ranger in Tampa. So, you know, have all my buddies there. They'll all get traded there eventually. So, I'll be good. Yep. Okay. All right. I'm going to go. Uh, I don't have like a list prepared, but I'm just kind of looking at all the teams. So, I'm going to cross them all I'm off until I get to 10. I'll uh, count on my fingers, too. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm going to go similar with the weather. So no Buffalo, no Ottawa, no Columbus. So that's three. I'm going to say no to Winnipeg, no to Edmonton or Calgary. That's six. That's six. You got four more. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say no Arizona. And now I'm going to go off the board a little bit. I'm saying no LA Kings. No, thank you. Oh, All right, fair. I, I can I can see why 2014 was a gut punch. Yeah, I'm going to say no Chicago Blackhawks, even though I have a huge uh, affinity for the original six, and and they were previously for me a team that I you know enjoyed following outside of the Rangers, but everything that's come out you know in the last few years with the Kyle Beach stuff, uh, even and and then so that's you know its own thing that 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 really overrides everything. Uh, but even if you just want to talk strictly hockey, the way that they're handling the rebuild, and I, I just don't think, I think they're a franchise that's completely lost its way. Um, their owner, Rocky Wirtz, seems like a total clown. So no thanks on the Blackhawks. That's eight. Yeah, one more. I thought oh, that, that was, was eight. That was nine. Sorry. Yeah, Arizona uh, and uh, Chicago were, right. were um, eight and nine. Eight and nine. All right. So I'm going to go. Uh, this is tough. It's tough when it's the last one, right? It does. Yeah. You know what? This is going to be a weird one. I'm going to say St. Louis. I had St. Louis on my 15 team list. So I agree with you on that. That's again, not a great city. Uh, from uh, what fair, fair. St. Louis isn't the best of towns. Yeah. Not the best of towns. Uh, I don't like the whole St. Louis thing, especially as, as it relates to the Cardinals. I know it's a different story, but uh, different sport, but but uh, I think the Cardinals are are way way up there and on on the list of the teams that I just can't stand. Even though I'm, they don't really relate to me at all, as I'm a Yankee fan. But fuck the Cardinals. Um, yeah, second that. <laughs> yeah, I did I miss like something on this? They have this whole like best fans in baseball. It's all yeah. very fake. It's we all don't very boo fun. our players. Right? Yeah, no, they're oh, very high they and their- mighty. They think yeah. they're better than everybody else. Oh, well, guess okay. what? So they're basically the baseball version of uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah. Right. And, yeah, very similar. And the Blues are are kind of just the winter hobby for a bunch of Cardinals fans. So no thanks. Um, <laughs> well, so like no. That. That's pretty good. Wow. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's it. St. Louis. Um, and if I had to pick one team that I could play for, it'd be the Montreal Canadiens. Um, I just, you know, and look, I, you know, I'll probably get some heat for that from, uh, from some people who may or may not be close friends of mine, but, uh, they are the sport's most decorated team. You want to talk about atmosphere and history and 
first-class treatment of the players, an extremely well-funded organization. Again, have they lost their way a little bit? Yes, but they're rebuilding. I, I, I think Marty St. Louis is a great coach too. Mar- I'd love yes, to would love to just have a conversation with Marty St. Louis. He seems like a like just a, a tremendous guy, uh, you know, to talk hockey with. So um, I'll pick the Montreal Canadiens and I'll play in front of twenty three thousand people at the Bell Center anytime as a uh, if I were a pro hockey player. So um, that's it. That's the end of segment number two. Uh, unless you guys have anything else. Um, you want to uh, you want to add on? So I was toying with putting Montreal and Toronto because it is cold. But having been to Toronto, that's a fun, expensive but fun city, and I would thoroughly have a great time there. And like you said, with Montreal, there's just too much history, so I had to take them off because uh, I had my 15 team list. I had to take all five teams, so that's why those two were removed. Yeah, yeah, it's. Yeah. Uh... It, it it's I don't know how you know I know people get and look the weather is a real factor as as we talked about earlier, but Montreal and Toronto are like mecca type cities right for uh, for hockey fans and for hockey players uh, I you would think now look I'm sure there's plenty of guys who maybe don't want the pressure or that stuff just doesn't matter to them that much they'd rather be in Florida right they'd rather just be like hey I'm gonna go play in Sunrise and live in Coral Gables or whatever but. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I could pass up the opportunity to play at, uh, to play at, at that type of place. So, um, we are, uh, trying to get Becky on the line here as she is going to join us for the, uh, the question segment of the show. Um, but, uh, you know, and John Luke, so we have quite a few questions, I believe. Yes, we do actually. Oh, speaking of look who decided to join us. I will let her in right now. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome back after a long hiatus from Live from the Blue Seats, the uh, the third member of, of our crew. We now feel like a, a full and complete family because you're here. <laughs> Becky is back. Hey, everyone. How are Don't we you doing? Have to, hold on. Don't you have to say that anyway? Because like, you're in the same household. Okay. So like, you have to give her that big whelp of morals. She, she might stab you. He's upstairs. Right. Don't. It's you know. I'm not That's going true. upstairs. It's too much of a pain. Fair enough. Can I? If something goes wrong, can I just cry nepotism? I'm. Listen. Ooh. I. I'm the person who created this blog, my friend. Without me, Dave didn't. That do is. It, whoa, whoa, so. whoa, 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 whoa. You, you want to get the idea? I. I went through and created. You complained everything. You just about said, it. Hey, for, start a blog. You complained about it for literal weeks, and I was sick of spending my lunch break listening to it. So I don't want to hear any. I wasn't nepotism about bullshit. shit. I just. It was only Sam Weinman at the time. Listen, and he was good, but there was nobody was. else that to read. Boy, off well, to a great start. I love it, John Luke. Do you do you remember? <laughs> do you remember Sam Weinman? Because that's right around when you started uh, following the team. Say that name again, but Sam slowly. So that was the Journal News, wasn't that Dave? The Low Hud, that, the Low Hud blog. Yeah, there was the Low Hud blog pre Rick uh, Carpinello. Yeah, and oh. so it went from Sam to rick to uh vince right that it, it does ring a bell actually i just i'm trying to put a, na- a name to the face that was kind of it though in terms of and to, to your point becky and dave and, and dave i think you know becky was urging you to fill a gap right that there was just not a lot of fan coverage in 2008 which is when this blog started yeah and 
I, you know, I always give Becky credit, even though she doesn't like to admit that I do give her credit, that she's the one that planted the seed. So if you guys are listening and you are hate listening or you hate reading the blog just because you hate everything about me, you should be hating Becky too. Uh, I am an equal opportunity sharer of the hate. So Becky should get at least 11% of the hate. I'm fine with that. I could take it. Bring it on. I have a toddler who tells me that she doesn't like me most days. So we're okay. We're good. Oh, yeah. Although I've gotten that the oh. last couple of days. I don't like yeah, you. I've been the preferred parent the last couple of days, but you know, anyway. Yeah. I'm not, not at that phase yet with mine. I can't wait for that. You're, what are you, six months away from it? Get excited. Yeah. All right. So, John Luke, uh, you've got the questions in front of you and uh, That's correct. throw them out there and let's let's see what we got here. All right, so I'm going to. Should I start with the controversial one, quote unquote, or do you want me to save that one for last? Uh, I don't. That just I would take them in order. Why don't you just do that? Okay. All right, we'll do them in order. Okay. So this first question comes from Mr. John Cougar Conleen Camp at Bill Seuss Bill again, one of my favorite follows on Twitter. He writes, "Who will be the first kid to get an A?" All right, I'll go first, and then uh, whoever wants to jump in, uh, I will say it's. I'll say Lafreniere. Interesting. Interesting. Does, does Adam Fox count as a kid? No, no, no. The kids line. The kids are the kid. The three kids is the kid line. Well, what about? Okay. Oh, you know what? Actually, though, to be fair, I didn't consider Keandre Miller. At which in and I think he kind of counts, but maybe yeah. not. I don't know. So no. I read that question as the kid line. Those three. That's how I read it. Dave, I agree with you. Look at that. Time for <laughs> okay, okay, wow. folks. Uh, just warning you guys: the world <laughs> shall end in the next week or so. Um, I'll say. Hmm. I'd say. It, the Filipino counts if it's the kid line, right? So yeah. if that's yeah, mm-hmm. I'll say Filipino then because I feel like he's emerging into his own a little bit, and since he's the elder statesman at twenty three, then God. yeah, <laughs> fuck, I'm old. <laughs> yeah, hey, I listen. I know you're thirty nine or forty five or whatever you said. I'm turning thirty <laughs> this year, so oh, I feel fuck it right off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say Filipino. Just get excited uh, for the hangovers, John Luke. It's- Oh yeah! <laughs> Just wait till you get your first two-day hangover. Oh, a time. Yeah, do you drink on Friday. Even... You hung over on Monday for work. It's great. Do I still get those even if I don't drink? There you that, go. That's a good point. That's a good point. I, mean, I, got, I get tired out going. I get tired out going out. So I kind of get it. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. All right, Becky, you want to go before me? Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say Heedle too, um, because he's like. The oldest, the most <laughs> mature, um, and honestly, the most developed. But I don't. I also don't know that they're going to be. I mean, I guess one of Goodrow's contracts up. Ooh, so you touched on something that we spoke about in the chat that I just want to say: Goodrow's contract is not up for a little bit, but Goodrow's time with the Rangers may come to an end sooner than people realize because mm. of Filipino. And that is a teaser. I can't wait to listen to this then. Wow. 
just for the good. record, Barclay's good Barclay Goodrow's contract runs out after the 26-27 season. Oh Thank you, God. Cap Friendly. Talk about old. Yeah, uh, you're gonna be really old then, John. Right. Also, by the way, you can already see <laughs> the value John Luke has added now with with dropping the 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 stat about confirming Lafreniere's first OT winner. Now he's you know he's he's checking us on Cap Friendly. So we're we clearly we were in need of a producer for a long time, John Luke, and you are uh, more than more than uh, you know filling the needs. So thank you for that. Um, uh, I need to answer this question. Go ahead, Dave. Yeah, yeah, and I am going to say not because nobody else has said it, but there's a method to my madness. I'm going to say Capococco because he is the second it. overall pick that has developed the most so far. He does. He's great in all three zones, whereas Lafreniere struggles in the defensive zone. And he fills a position of need. He is their best right winger. So he is not going anywhere for a long time. So yep. you have longevity. You have pedigree. You have all three zones. And he'll probably be a 50-point score in the next couple of years, possibly this year. All right. I like it. Next question. All right. This comes from uh, a friend of ours, uh, Russell Hartman at Rusty Hart 38 and Superman impersonator. Which line will Vladimir Tarasenko play on? Pretty bold, uh, pretty bold prediction there. <laughs> oh, can I take this one first? Yeah. Go ahead, Dave. He will play on Seattle's top line. He will not <laughs> be a New York Ranger. The Rangers are a perimeter team for the most part. It is very clear that the Rangers are trying to target guys that shoot, that go to the net. That is not Tarasenko's game. Yeah, but it's fun to think about, isn't it? Oh, it would be great because I remember at being at a wedding when I got the text message that the Rangers selected Dylan fucking McElrath. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell is this bullshit? <laughs> Wow. Yes. Because I was watching, I was at the wedding drinking shots of Jameson, which is never a good idea. And I'm watching the, and I'm saying, okay, okay, okay. And then I see the text message of Macro. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And then there were more shots of Jameson after that. <laughs> I mean, listen, all I'll say is it would be fun to think of it. And even without massive changes to what we saw in Monday night's game, it would be really fun to just say, hey, Jimmy Vizi, why don't you just slide on down to that third line and we'll pop Vladimir Tarasenko on the right side with Panarin and Zibanejad. And I, that would be really fun. Uh, um, that would be awesome. And and you know what? I get it, Dave, what you're saying. I, I'm sure that's the reasoning, right? They, that we've got enough skill. We've got enough perimeter skill and playmaking. We need kind of like net drivers, shooters, et cetera. But that just feels like it would fit like a glove. And, and I think Tarasenko has a little bit more uh, grit to his game than people realize. But um, yeah, I, I would put him right there on the top line and don't think about it. I, I don't think he's going to be a ranger. So worry about it when he becomes one. Sorry, Ross. Wow. Yeah. Becky and I agreed again. Yeah, wow. What the fuck oh. is going on? This is, this is, uh, I'm going to have to get my, my bunker ready. <laughs> Good grief. Um, if I, I, I always thought as Tarasenko was a guy who could bully his way through, maybe I'm wrong. And he shoot, I, I always thought he shot the puck a lot, but that's just me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking of a younger Tarasenko, but I, I think he would work well with uh, he'll 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 slot up there with you know Zabanajan and Panarin. I think for some reason when it comes to Russians, they always seem to have kind of this like weird telepathic sort of connection. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's in the borscht or not that they consume, but um, that was a joke and it went horribly wrong. I'm so sorry. Um, I chortled. Chortled, maybe. <laughs> it's, it's, so, no, but um, I, I think uh, if he doesn't end up playing with Kreider, or not Kreider, with Panarin and Zibanejad, I think he'll end up playing with Panarin, but it'll be with uh, Trocek, but Hmm. That's that's that'll be a bridge we'll cross if it happens. Anyways, cool. Next question. Okay, so this is going to be the interesting one. Uh, this comes from Hockey Stat Miner, oh, and God. it says, <laughs> "When did at Behaps Thirty Seven and I become enemies? Like, what was the linchpin?" Ooh. This is all you, Becky. As someone else. Yeah. I, I don't have an answer for this one because I don't really think he's my mortal enemy. So, <laughs> Or I shouldn't say, I shouldn't misclassify gender here because I actually have no idea who Hockey Stat Miner is outside of Twitter. So I don't, they are not my mortal enemy. Um, I tend not to make mortal enemies on the internet either just because it feels like a little bit like, mm, I don't know, I'm too old for that shit. But I think it's because he doesn't spell my name right. He again. I'm sorry. I'm, I think it's because they don't spell my name right. Well, so it's, it's definitely not... a they because they're a spreadsheet. It's true. Sentient spreadsheet. True. <laughs> I do think that, like, once Teslas, like, you know, com- go completely, like, completely go off the grid and just become their own beings, like, I think Excel is next, and HSM might be. Maybe good, but I don't know. Um, but that was a really entertaining thread for me to catch up on before. So thank you, Stat Miner. Um, that warmed my heart. I actually do want to say too that like I think it's interesting that um, there are you could see like very clear um, certain people on on the bird site are very clearly like uh like ah, i watched the game you know whatever like the coach is the coach and knows what's going on because they're like he's the coach and then there's this like ornery stat people and i'm not talking about people who refer to statistics like and recognize them and trends and everything i mean literally the people who like they can win a game and they'll be like i don't know their underlines were really bad i wish they lost and had better numbers and you're like sir or ma'am <laughs> you do not get into the playoffs based on like how you know your effort I mean I don't disagree that like trends are important but anyway I will say that for a person who is very statistically minded hockey stat minor is like a reasonable person or spreadsheet that you can interact (laughs) with so um so thank you stat minor for being you for misspelling my name for many years now apparently which is bizarre and uh, I look forward to continuing the feud. In his wow. in, in the spreadsheet's defense, uh, you don't spell out the proper spelling of your name anyway. I actually do file. if you go to the Old Testament, which is like, <laughs> the technically, Old Testament. Like, <laughs> the most I caught that right away. Oh, boy. Historic, you know, like document that we can look at here. MySpace? Rebecca, Rebecca is spelled with a K-A-H. Also, I did not choose the spelling, okay? Like, this was not my choice. Um, And also, the only person who calls me Rebecca is literally myself when I'm, like, 
being like Rebecca figured this out or like God Rebecca the spreadsheet is open or whatever like <laughs> literally I'm the only person who refers to myself as Rebecca and I have a group of like mom friends who because I'm Rebecca in like the daycare uh app <laughs> and anytime I like screenshot and like you could see my name or whatever they're all like who the fuck is Rebecca like what is, what are you talking about <laughs> so you know let's 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 not get biblical here okay like Let's just calm down. Well, you're the one that just brought up the Bible. Well, you brought the Bible before. When did I, I appreciate that. Thank you very much for bringing that up. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> I'm happy to serve. <laughs> oh, that was a great well, question. I, I thoroughly enjoyed all of, listening to all of that. <laughs> uh, let's go we to the need next more one. sentient spreadsheet <laughs> questions no doubt <laughs> well thank you sentient spreadsheet i enjoy your content on twitter don't hate me that i've barked back at you a couple times next question <laughs> this comes from jessica lynn at at jessica lynn 312 w this probably won't apply to me right now because i don't have any kids but uh which current know range that i well <laughs> That's another conversation for another day, David. Uh, which which current ranger would you name your firstborn or second child after? Now, since I'll, I'll answer this real quick, since I don't have a kid, and I'll let the parents here, you know, mingle about because you guys are older and a little slower, so I'm gonna let you guys take care of that. I would name my kid after Adam Graves. So, anyways. Not Adam Next. Fox. Interesting. Interesting. No, that's kind of weird because he's like close to me in age. I want someone older. So that's fair. Yeah, so. you know that's a, that's a really good point because all these guys, I'm like a decade older than. If I'm naming one of my kids after them, that's fucking creepy, isn't it? That's weird. It's it no is doubt, really no weird. Very, it's very weird. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to welcome to the world, Philip Heedle Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> So that's going to go over well. <laughs> to be fair, I've been floating the name Jalen Brunson to Rob for a boy. So, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. What about uh, salary? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go with. So he's not a former Ranger, which kind of sucks, but uh, is it Valeri Zalapsky. I, I not the not the Valeri Zalapsky. I'm naming my kid Zalapsky. <laughs> Uh, that's a great name man. or Hawken lube Hawken lube is a great name or radic juice pairs radic bonk also great radic name bonk. oh no no you got to name the kid bonk just for the bonk meme <laughs> yes bonk is also a really good name bonk. for a, a child as they you know spend three years of their life life bonking into things um <laughs> that's true Got my daughter ran face first into the kitchen cabinets yesterday, fell down, and my wife and I just couldn't stop laughing for like 10 minutes. Yeah, it's really <laughs> she funny. She sat there looking at us and then started laughing too. So I think we avoided a crying tantrum by the fact that that was hysterical. It's actually a great way to react if something like that happens is laugh because they, 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 you know, they don't know to get upset if they're yeah. not seriously injured. <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, you know, I'll just say, uh, my last name, our last name, Saletti, uh, very Italian, not the easiest to work with because, you know, you don't want to go with anything that's really, really, you know, Italian sounding without using a, you know, potentially questionable, uh, you know, stereotypical word there. So that rules out a lot of names. Uh, I, I don't know. 
uh, been thinking about uh, this for a little bit and uh, not coming up with anything good is what I'll say. And Are I, you're not going with Vinny or Keandre. <laughs> no, neither. neither. Uh, like so, <laughs> you know, but uh, I'm sure we'll arrive at something that is, that works, but I doubt it will be off the Ranger roster past or present. Uh, Steve Eiserman Sleddy. There you go. I should have known that was coming. Sergey Fedorov. <laughs> that actually, Steve Eiserman Sleddy has a nice ring to it. Steve, Steve reminds me, though, of uh, for some reason, when I hear the name Steve, I just think about 90210, which I hope people who listen to this podcast know. What somebody will get that. I don't get it, but somebody will. But yeah, I just think about that. So, so Becky, you said Sergey Fedorov, and that just kind of got the wheels turning. So, if you've been listening, folks listening, my wife is Russian. Pavel Bure Shapiro, former Ranger, mm-hmm. great hockey player, Russian, kind of fits with the wife theme. Perfect. There we go. I kind of fits wow. with the person who bears the child. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. All right. Well, that was a that was certainly an interesting question. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica, Jessica. Lynn three one two for that interesting and age revealing conversation. Okay. <laughs> yeah, next, I, I is... didn't realize that was going to be so creepy when you really <laughs> look at the roster and everybody's a decade younger than you. I know. At least, at least, Filipino Shapiro. I better get invited to the baby shower. Anyways, next question uh, comes from it comes from Kevin. It's uh, at s uh, sposo two eleven, and Kevin asks, "WTF is a kicking motion? For the love of all that is holy, I just want an explanation so that I can look at a play and know myself how it's going to play out." Oh yeah, that's a interesting one. Considering Rob, you're the soccer guys. I was so. going to say, like, I, I was on kick line in high school. So, like, I think that's a kicking emotion. Y- yes. I, I don't know. I, yeah. I, frankly, this is it's one of those things that is so maddening. Right. Because and I think about the NFL, which for, I don't know, 50 years has like been changing the definition of what a catch is every three years. Every You know, and it's like, wait, you, you mean to tell me that, like, we've been like throwing a ball around and like awarding championships and like passing yards records and touchdowns records. And like, we don't know what a catch is. Um, This is like very similar to me. I'm like, you know what a kicking motion is like you, it's just, you shouldn't need. And this is also the thing that these sports leagues get in trouble where they're like, Oh, well we have to clarify the language. And what they end up doing is just adding words that make it more confusing. So, you know, to me, look, what, and clearly this question comes from what happened in the game on Monday night with uh, Mangiapani's the tying goal, uh, you know, uh, in the third period. He clearly kicked the puck in. I, I mean, and and you did bring up soccer, Dave. You know, that, that same play happens in soccer all the time. And just because he wasn't like standing on one foot uh, and then and then exaggeratedly swinging his leg backwards and then forwards doesn't mean it wasn't a kick. Like he obviously kicked the puck. So uh, it's just very annoying to me that this has to be like litigated and relitigated. And I think about it in terms of, okay, would have been very annoying if that led to the Rangers losing the game, which it almost did. But this is like approaching one skate in the crease territory, like affecting who wins the Stanley cup. Like those types of goals are scored in the playoffs all the time. 
And if they don't sort this out, they're going to have a huge fucking problem on their hands in May or June because there's going to be some goal that's like a mess just like that. And it's going to go in and they're going to be like, well, that's we don't know. And the Stanley Cups can be awarded because of it. So that's my rant. I agree with with Kevin that they need to get this right uh, and and they have to come up with a solution. But um, at least in terms of Monday, that was a kick. And that's that's kind of my final answer on that. I personally think kicking should be kicking the puck into the net should be allowed in the NHL. And this comes from a goalie. And I said that last night and there was one guy in my mentions that said, clearly you're not attendee. And there was another guy that said, yeah, until a goalie gets their throat slit. I'm like, first off, that's happened already and had nothing Mm -hmm. to do with the kicking motion. You know, you're on the, they play on razor blades. Somebody's going to get cut every season. It happens. Part of the game. That's how you – it's one or the other. You either say no goals off of skates or all goals off of skates. Let them kick. It get lets them be a little bit more creative. Think of what Trevor Zegers can do with kicking the puck and certainly what he can do without kicking the puck, and we see all the highlight reel goals. The, all these guys play soccer to warm up. Mm-hmm. Well, let them kick the puck. It'll be fun. They got to be honest, I, Dave. I don't hate that. I I have to respectfully disagree. Shocker. I I, I <laughs> and not not because I'm doing this on purpose. I actually do disagree with your 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 train of thought, in the sense that it, they 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 said the reason why it went into the net was because, and, and I'm glad they explained it last night because you know. That that place was getting ready to, you know, rip those referees and linesmen a new one. They said it's because he was trying, he deflected it in off his skate. So now you basically have a very gray area here. If someone's in front of the net and it gets deflected off their skate, that counts, right? Of course, because you can't control that. It goes off of the person, it goes in. My issue is if that's going to be the threshold and now I can move my foot around, at what point do I do that just to say I deflected it? Or at what point do we say it's an actual kicking motion? I don't agree that kicking a puck in the net should be allowed. Uh, it's it's not soccer, for goodness sake. You know, nothing against soccer. But if if you're trying to deflect it or position yourself, you you shouldn't have to move your foot up in the way Mangiapani did the other night and like Rob said it's you're going to have a big issue with not finding that line of delineation on what's what so that's my issue with it am I a little biased on that yeah sure I'm a Ranger fan of course I'm going to be biased on that because it happened to us uh, uh, yesterday or you know Monday because this is going out Thursday but you got to give me something clear you know, I mean, you can't, it's not baseball. You can't be ambiguous with the strike zone that you can be here with you know, the kicking motion. You, you can't. Sorry. So, <laughs> is there a cat in the background? Well, there is. She's, uh, <laughs> she just hopped up right next to me and she just wants a little love. Sorry. She is thought. I'm sorry. <laughs> on I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I annoyed your cat. Well, she definitely has thoughts about batting shit off of ledges. So, I don't know. Maybe she's the expert here. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I don't, I like, 
I don't think everything, I don't think kicks should be allowed in, but I understand the point Dave is making. I also don't think it's going to be a big deal in the playoffs because like, hello, goalie interference. We still don't know what the fuck that is. And like, uh, that's in like every yeah. playoff. So whatever. Do you like, I don't think the NHL cares. I think Tyler like, DeFoley took a shit on Henrik Lundqvist and <laughs> still wasn't goalie interference. Well, Dwight, well, Dwight, Dwight shitting King. Shitting on the goalie. Dwight King, sorry, whatever. They all did. I mean, they were running him the whole series, whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's all stupid. I think it's ambiguous rules. And that was obviously a kick. At first, it looked like a deflection to me. But then when you looked at the replay, I was like, oh, no, that's a kick. So I don't know. But it like, it's stupid. It's like one of those things that happens infrequently. And you just have to kind of like let it go. So I I don't know. Yep. Good. Yeah. Well, and hey, look, keep playing, right? That's what the Rangers did on Monday. So, and they got the win anyway. Um, all right. I think we got one more, John Luke. Uh, well, I have two here. Would you want me to just pick one and we'll wrap up on that? No, let's do them quick. Let's try and rapid fire. Okay. Can. So, this one is from Anthony Caccioli at Caccioli25. He says, Do you think Mika Zibanejad is underrated? And do you think he should be, he should get legitimate consideration for the Selkie trophy? I'd say yes. I say yes. I but say Mika's no. my favorite player, so. <laughs> I say he is appropriately rated, and as long as Patrice Bergeron is in the league, he will never get consideration for the Selkie Trophy. Uh, I think he's underrated, yes. I think he is a top five center in the league. Selkie Trophy, I that's such a reputational thing, and I, Dave, you're right about that, and that it's like once you get a guy that gets that, uh, you know, kind of like reputation. He keeps it. And Ber- like you said, Bergeron's going to basically win the, that award every year. But uh, I certainly think he's a top five center in the in, in the league. And I, I know that that's not where most people have him. I think they have him more like top 15. So I think he's underrated. He's top 10 to me. I think he's appropriately rated. All right. One more. All right. And the final question is from Terrence at the Terranator. And it goes like Panarin's I know it's pretty cool. Uh, Panarin's 5v5 points have dipped since his first season with the Rangers. This one's for you, Dave. Do you think it's Gallant's system or coaching style that stifles his creativity? Too much line blender? He's scoring 40% of his points on the power play compared to 20 to 25% all previous years. I love stats. Yeah, and you just called me out. came in. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, for, that's a great name and a great question. Um, Coming in hot, Terranator. We'd yeah. love to see it. So, because you called me out on that, am I going first? Yes. So, coaches <laughs> very rarely coach offense. So, that's one thing. It's extremely rare that a coach will say, oh, this is how you have to play in the offensive zone. That's just something they don't do. These guys are the best players in the world. They know how to create offense, especially somebody like Panarin. So, it's not system-related. I think we're seeing a combination of line blundering, which is now officially a word. We're seeing getting older. We're seeing adjusting to somebody who's not Ryan Strom. And we said this at the beginning of the podcast, you're not going to see 100% from these guys, especially the skilled guys who know that they're going to uh, the skilled veterans, I should say that are, they know they're going to the playoffs and they know they have to save it for the 82 games. Plus hopefully 16 more wins. 
I, I think it's all of it. I think Panarin is finding a rhythm. He is putting up points where he needs to on the power play, but he's also not going to burn himself out over the course of 82 games, knowing he's going to be playing hockey, hopefully late into May and June. I am still concerned that the age is getting up there, but if he's putting up, if he's scoring game seven overtime winners and putting up points in the playoffs, nobody's going to care. Yeah. I mean, I'll just, just to, agree with most of that, Dave. I do think that, you know, I've been somewhat vocal about my relative, I should say, disappointment with Panera in the last couple of years. And, you know, I think it just boils down to, I don't even really care about the point total so much as like, I want his line to be dominating on a lot of nights. Mm. And I, I just don't see it. Like I want to see more offensive zone time and scoring chance creation. Now, Monday night, again, things seem to be heating up between him and Zibanejad. The pass he made on Tamika on the, on the tying goal was a really, really brilliant, kind of under the radar because it's not like a super flashy play, but just the timing was perfect. He was clearly uh, had, had already read that entire play, you know, a full two, three seconds before anybody on the ice and Zibanejad knew where to go. Um and he just made a perfect little one-touch pass right to the front of the net. And Zibanejad, also with a great finish, chipped it over uh, Mark Sherman in. But, uh, you know, uh, it's just you want to see more of that. Uh, and that, that's my thing with Panarin is that we saw, you know, he comes in, signs the contract, and right away he is having the best offensive season that any Ranger had had since essentially Yarmir Yager. Um, and it was in, like, he was threatening the Yager uh, – records and the Jean Rattel records, you know, I, I don't I think Rattel, you know, I don't know if he, ever, if he ever hit 120 points or whatever, but you know, those are the two guys who have scored well over hundred points, Yager and, and Rattel uh, as Rangers. And he was in that category. And if, and if COVID doesn't happen, he probably blows past at least 110 points. And he was, he was, he was heart trophy finalist, most, most definitely, most likely. And he hasn't been that the last few years. Now he's still been great, but I think, like I said, I'm not even so much worried about the points. I don't really care where the points come from. But whether it's power player five on five, but I would like to see him be more of a dominant force, if that makes sense. Yeah, I'm looking at his numbers and he had, he had 95 points in 69 games that year. Like, nice. I remember it was yeah. ridiculous, but like. Yeah. That was obscene. That was ridiculous. Yeah, he was on. he. So if you and, and right there, you just do the math on that. So 13 more games, right? 69 games. He's probably going to put up another 30 points. Mm -hmm. He would have been right around yeah. 125. <laughs> yeah. Which That's is crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I and mean, he didn't even go on a shooting bender either. He shot 15%. His career average is 14%. It's obscene. Yeah. He's not, I mean, like, he's not having a good, his shooting percentage this year is 9%, which is low for him, right? Yeah. Um, He's we're like disappointed. He's at a point per game pace, right? And I'm just like, oh, that's like really low for him. Um, but I don't like I don't like Gallant, so it would be convenient to say it's Gallant's fault. But I don't think that that's the answer. I don't think it is. I mean, great year last year. So I don't know. There's definitely something missing from his game. The point totals are there, but like Rob said, and but like what you're saying too, it's just there's something missing. And I'm sitting here with my hands in front of my face. Like there's something missing. There's something 
substantial missing from his game. And I'm hoping it's just he's waiting to turn it on in the playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say this and I'll be brief. Um, the thing I noticed about Panarin that's different than it was when he started was I, I don't think he has the right winger. Uh, if Say what you want about Jesper Faust, but that line of Panarin, Faust, and Strom, you know, yeah, he had the chemistry with Strom, but the key to that line was Jesper Faust. He was able to really glue that line together, and I don't think the Rangers have had a winger to really replicate that since capo caco came the closest so did alexi lafreniere in some points but we all know that for the time being they all need to stay together so i and and another thing that he's doing that just i this is just total eye test he's overhandling the puck and Mm -hmm. even though that's part of his strength he's he's decision making he's delayed when he was here his first year he was just either slinging it to the net or making the pass when he needs to. And I think what happened was is he makes that pass, but it gets blocked because he's like a slightly hesitant mm-hmm. now in doing it. And then, you know, age could be part of it as well. You know, he's, you know, he's not as quick. I mean, he's still, he was a, you know, he was awesome on Monday. Um, but I think he'll need just another winger to help possess because he still has it. It's just, you know, not the same that we got and, you know, what we're paying for. Yeah, and I, I think just one last thing, and and you know I, I think that he's been very reportedly vocal about who he wants his line mate or who he thinks he plays best with. You know, look, I don't think he's like destroying the chemistry of the team or or anything like that. But I think he's gone to the coaches and voiced his opinion about who he thinks his line mates should be at times. Uh, you know, throughout his tenure here. So, you know, uh, clearly to your point, John Luke, he he loved playing with Strom and Fost. And he certainly loved playing with Strom even after Foss departed. But um, I agree with you that Kako seems to be the best fit. He kind of does all the things that Foss did for him just better. But I think also, you know, Kako dominates the puck. He likes to hold it down low, whereas, you know, Foss was the kind of guy who he would go in there and fetch it and get it to Panarin and then, you know, cause chaos away from the puck so he could, you know, open mm-hmm. up ice for Panarin. Uh, Kako's not that type of player. He wants to hold on to it because he's so good at holding on to it. So, it is a bit of a, it's probably all these things, right? A little bit chemistry, a little bit him, you know, just timing being off. I totally agree about him overhandling the puck and kind of that decision-making being, being delayed. So, uh, you know, I think to answer the question, we've kind of all touched on pieces of it. It's kind of a holistic thing. And, um, but, but I think we can all agree that there's more there. And if we do see the best of Panarin uh, throughout this final stretch of the season and into the playoffs, that, that could be the, 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 the kind of what puts the Rangers over the top as they're chasing a cup here. So um, awesome. All right. I think that's it. Any more questions? No, we're good. Thank you for your questions, everyone. They were all really good. Even you, Mr. Spreadsheet. Uh, (laughs) All right. So before we wrap up, Becky, any final thoughts from you as you return to the pod? No, just, I've missed it. Um, Contrary to popular belief, I did not leave because of a Christmas tree light debacle (laughs) this is is just a really busy time for me with work and uh so you know i'm like typically working at night unfortunately at this point but uh, that should come to an end in the coming weeks so it's good to be back dave how about you any any final thoughts no just happy to have becky back 
you know, welcome back. Hopefully we make this more of a thing where you're actually here. And yeah, that's it. John Luke. Well, it was, it was first, it was nice to chat with you, Becky. I am glad I didn't scare you. Um, and, uh, I love Artemi Panarin. (laughs) I agree on that. Even though, uh, even though, you know, we can be hard on him sometimes. No, great show. Becky, great to have you back. Uh, Dave, John, Luke, always a pleasure. And thank you all for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week. Thank you.